just going to take a moment for the installation of officers here at Shepherd. If you remember just a little while back, we held uh, nominations and also elections to be able to raise up people within our congregation to serve in a variety of different areas. Uh, many times people think a church is ran by a pastor or the pastors when really it is truly uh, the people who are running and being a part of that church. And so today on behalf of our pastoral staff here at Shepherd of the Desert, I would like to just express a thank you first of all to all of those of you who serve in a variety of different areas in a variety of different ministries and being able to make this place what it is for the guests who come in here, for us who serve weekly, and also for our Lord as we are empowered to overcome and go out into this world. And so as we have moved into this new uh, election cycle, if you are currently serving on a board and have uh, been with us and have been elected to a new term, or if you are just being brought on and are going to be starting a new term, would you please stand up this morning so we could recognize you and install you, please? That goes for our elders, too. Any of our elders that are here? There we go. Let's say a prayer over these individuals, please. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, just the opportunity you provide for us to be able to serve within your church. Uh, you have just uh, lifted up these people that are here, and we ask your hand of blessing upon their heads that as they move forward to make decisions for our congregation, that they will always have your will in mind, uh, that they will be able to serve alongside of one another in a Christian manner that uh, lifts up our church and who you are. Uh, God, again, just thank you for these individuals and for all of our people here at Shepherd of the Desert Lutheran Church and School. We ask that you will just open up the floodgates for us to be able to move forward, not for ourselves, Lord, but for those people that have not heard about you yet. All these things we lift in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Can you guys give these people a round of applause, please? Remember, there are always tons of openings for us to be able to serve here in a variety of ways. And if you are not involved yet, uh, please speak with myself or one of our other staff members after the service. We'd love to be able to get you connected in some fashion. Today we start a brand new uh, sermon series here at Shepherd. I think it'll be a really good one for us. Uh, we've partnered with Lutheran Hour Ministries and Pastor Greg Seltz and being able to put forth a uh, program that really focuses on our Christian doctrine, focusing on some of the key elements that says this is who we are, this is what we're going out and what we are called to be able to do. Uh, today, we're looking at one that'll kind of kick off the series, and every single week we'll have a little video clip that goes along with it that kind of shares exactly uh, what the topic is about and kind of dive into it a little bit more. And so today, as we look at our first topic, we tar start talking about how it is that we are able to connect with God. As I opened up the service today, I talked about that sometimes we truly feel that we are the ones making this forward momentum and this progress to go after and connect with God, when really that is, that is not the truth. God does call us by his Spirit to be drawn unto him, but it is God who comes to meet with us. On our own, we are completely lost. That's part of what we offer through that confession that you and I speak together, that on our own, we have nothing but sin that is a part of our lives. 
that we need our Lord to be able to invoke his spirit within us to be able to move on. Because when we go out into the world today, when we've been out in the world this week, there's a lot of things that are out there telling us a lot of different messages. Think of all the different religions that exist within our world today. Think about what that word does to certain people. When you talk about religion and somebody hears that in the way that they act, some people are willing to talk about it. Some people are kind of sheepish about it. Some people, that word religion can even offend, can it not? And what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us as Christians living here today, confessing that the answer we have in our lives is Christ? Well, we need to share about that Savior who has come for us, that Savior that has given us everything, that Savior that we know as Jesus, a story of a recklessly loving God that broke into our history to be able to share his love with us and be able to give us direction and be able to give us meaning. Now, sometimes that's easy for us to share as Christians. It truly is. Because we know what the answer is. We know that the answer for our lives is Jesus. And so we look at the Bible and our scripture text for today, and we say, what are those readings about? Well, they are about Jesus. How uh, do you uh, receive forgiveness from your sins? Well, it's by Jesus. Who do you come to worship here today at church? Well, we come to worship Jesus, and that is our our answer. Uh, There's a joke about a... uh, small Sunday school class that was going through and the Sunday school teacher was trying to be able to share something with her students. And so she told them, I'm going to describe something to you today and I want you to tell me what it is. So she started with these little ones and said, this thing is brown. This thing is furry. This thing lives in the forest And this thing likes to eat nuts. What is it? She asked her Sunday school class, and they thought about it, and one little boy raised his hand and said, you know, it sounds like a squirrel to me, but since we're in Sunday school, the answer must be Jesus. (laughs) Don't we think that sometimes in church? And maybe in our daily lives. Well, that's the easy answer, right? The answer has to be Jesus. And that is the answer. Don't get me wrong. That is the answer. But today, let's back up a little bit and go to the question, so why Jesus? There's all these different religions that are out there, other different ideologies, other ideas, other philosophies, so why and how do we know that Jesus is the right answer? This morning, we're going to now watch our video clip with Pastor Greg Seltz and hear a little bit about what this world has to offer, but what our God says is the true message. I draw your attention to the screens. We live in a world of religions, belief systems, rituals, and spiritual customs, don't we? There are cults, there is religious fervor, there are denominations, there are new age groups and mainline churches. Everywhere you turn, there seems to be another religion. And then there's Christianity. Now, you've heard the questions before. If you were raised in another culture with another religion, would you even consider Christianity? There's so many other religions out there. What, what makes Christianity so special? Those questions may scare you a bit, but we do need to ask them. We need to ask a big question about the central and most controversial figure of Christianity. Why 
Jesus. For thousands of years, human beings have run up against a troubling issue. That obstacle was death. Death and all of the anxiety and pain that comes with it. And it's been recognized and wrestled with by every person and every culture in every era of world history. Some cultures thought that throwing an innocent young maiden into a volcano might appease the gods or, or whatever force was out there. Other cultures took theoretical approaches and formed philosophies and ideologies that denied the problem or tried to lift the human mind above it all. Over the course of history, world religions like Islam and Buddhism came up with codes of behavior or, or, or detailed systems of achievement that would earn eternal peace or a place in paradise. Hinduism even devised a, a do-over, a, a series of reincarnations in order to have another shot at perfection. So check out any world religion, any philosophy, and any ideology, and you'll discover two common threads of how we as human beings try to overcome the impossible obstacle we face, either denial or achievement. And none of it, none of it, has ever worked. You know, an honest look into the mirror shows us that we still lack peace, don't we? We still fail, we still sin, and we will die. Even as we continue to take our best shots at, at trying to figure this whole thing out. But before you get too depressed about all of this, let's go back to the question we started with. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? You see, while we humans keep thinking up the same old solutions to the obstacle of death, God came up with a solution that we would have never thought of. God did something. He sent help. He sent Jesus to save us from a situation in which we had no power to help ourselves. And that's why the Christian faith is totally unique in a world of religions and thought systems. It's not one faith among many. A Bible verse expresses the uniqueness of Christianity very clearly. It says it this way, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It underscores the fact that, that Jesus is the most unique but very real answer to the problem we face. He is our Savior. You know what rescue is all about, don't you? you understand what it means to be saved. Jesus is the Savior. And that means he saves you from the problem of having no peace, of failing in your sin, and of being at the mercy of death. If you were drowning in this problem, world religions and ideologies would be calling from the seashore, try harder to swim, think better thoughts, deny you're going down for the third time, hope you're reincarnated as a fish, but God's approach in sending Jesus is completely unique. Jesus jumped in to save you and me. And in his jumping in, he dies to save us. Jesus was sent by God to suffer the consequences of sin in our place. All of the pain, the stress, the trouble, the torment, even death, Jesus came to suffer those things for you and me. He stepped into harm's way to rescue us. He took all the trouble of our imperfect and flawed lives upon his own shoulders and received God's punishment so that we would never have to. But then something amazing happened. God raised Jesus from the dead.
the stranglehold of death and pain and hopelessness, it was finally broken. And Jesus offers you and me this new life. Let me sum this up with a thought. From what I've said, there are only two religions in the world, the doing it and the done it. The doing it's are all those religions that require you and me to do something, whether that's to throw a virgin in a volcano or to be good enough or even attain a new level of enlightenment. The Dunnets are those who believe that when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, everything was done. Everything that was necessary for you and me and the world to be saved, it was done. And God your Father, knowing you never do enough or even believe this, gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit to believe it. You see, he's done it all for you and me. That's the answer to why Jesus. And that amazing answer makes the Christian faith a miracle worth looking into. I like Pastor Selt's comic there that God did something about it. That he reaches down and he grasps for you and I. He could have stepped aside could have destroyed the entire earth, the entire universe, but instead has compassion for you and I and comes down. Because every day we face ordinary distractions, normal hurdles that we need to go over, things that we can do on our own that God allows us to have the power, if you will, and the ability to get through. But sometimes we face scenarios that we just don't know how to apply ourselves to or just too much for us to be able to handle. Those scenarios that it feels like we are drowning, that we are sinking, that we are going down and there's nothing that we can do about it. But God has given us a faith, a faith to be able to get through those times, a faith to have strength as long as we are focused on him in all things. Did you hear that gospel text that we had for us this morning? A text of Jesus being on the mountainside praying, the disciples are in the boat. When Christ is done praying, he comes down the mountainside, and it says that he walks out on the lake going toward them. Imagine what that must have been like. It says that the disciples are terrified. They think that they have seen a ghost, and then they hear his words. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Let's review that scripture for a second, picking up at verse 28. It says, The Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come out on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Tells us very specifically, Peter's attention is taken off of Jesus. He begins to focus on these other things, on these other distractions. And he begins to doubt, and so he begins to sink. Peter knows that the Lord is the one that can give him this power, this ability to be able to physically walk on water. Look at his words. It says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out on the water. He knows he can't do this on his own, but he knows that the Lord can do it through him. That's how much he believes. Imagine that, that the Lord can allow me to walk on water and Jesus does but then Peter sees that wind 
even in that strong faith. Imagine how strong his faith is to step out of that boat. But even in that strength of his faith, he still goes back on these doubts. An example for us as Christians here, no matter how strong we ever think our faith is, no matter how much of Scripture we think we have ingrained in our minds, there is always more because inside we always want to doubt. Our sin always wants to pull us away, even when Jesus is right there in front of us performing miracles. We still at times doubt. We remember the limitations of man. You know, Pastor Seltz shared with us that on our own, when we are left to that, that there are basically two ways that people come up to the answer of what happens after death. Some people deny that there is any life to come, and other people say that we need to earn this next life. But there's problems with both of those. Being able to deny that there is nothing to be able to come, it's so futile. It gives us no purpose. It gives you no meaning whatsoever. To acknowledge that there is just this life that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, if you will, and then the next generation starts on, how did that ever come to be about? Really, how did that ever come to be about? What about on the other side of things? Of all the religions that come together with that exact same thing, they all tell us that exact same information, that because of who we are, that because of what God is doing, we have to earn something. We have to make our own path, if you will. And there's a lot of different ways in every single religion, except in Christianity. In Christianity, we speak about the fact that God has already done these things for us. Because the problem, as Pastor Seltz mentioned with us, always wanting to say that we need to earn something or we need to do something, how do you know when you've done enough? How do you know you've done the right things? How do you know that it's to the right God? We never know. Nobody would ever be able to be good enough. And Christianity does tell us that. Look at the book of James, chapter 2, verse 10. The Lord tells us, Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. Imagine that, that you live a perfect life from day one on this earth all the way to your final moment and commit one sin. The Lord says that one sin makes you accountable for the entire law. All of us here today will sin today. All of us here are sinners. We are accountable for this law and we do deserve the penalty of death. Jesus tells us very clearly in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 20, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one, Paul says. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. We see that we are sinners. We acknowledge that. That's why we confess together today, Lord, we are sinners in need of your forgiveness. But it is not by following these laws that we become perfect or obtain some type of purity in our lives. It's only by Christ and his work that we are able to achieve that paradise that is to come. That we too are made spotless, blameless. That we too are made pure in God's eyes. 
Each one of us gets weighed down by our sins sometimes when we think about that deserving of a punishment. But we should be so excited to know that God does something about it. That he allows his son to serve as our substitute. We sang about that this morning. That even though Christ is perfect, that he is the one that took on sin for us. We hear about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Lord says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Think about that love for a minute. Sending your one and only son. He is completely blameless. He is completely pure. He's going to take the sin of everyone else. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he did just that. He defeated death for you and for me. Something that we can never do on our own. And he gives us that gift of eternal life. Not just in something to come. It's something you have now. That is a gift that you possess today. It is not yet maybe to come but it is here for us, that our lives are eternal, that even though you die, as we were told, you shall live. That's the words of Jesus in John chapter 11. Remember that. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Every one of those other religions, ideologies, those philosophies, They all require God to be able to lower his own standard so we would be okay. But in Christianity, God has no need to lower his standards. God keeps us to that same point, that you need to be pure, that you need to be blameless, that you need to be holy. But he makes us that way through his son to take away our failures, our imperfections, and our sins. Because again, there's no way on our own that we could ever connect to God. But the good news is that God has come to connect with you. He's been doing so from the beginning of time as we know it. Being able to connect with his people throughout all of scripture. We heard that in our Old Testament lesson today. That he will reach down with his mighty hand and that he will save us. Just as he reached down for Peter and was able to pull him up from that water just as he reaches down for you and me today to be able to restore our connection by sending his son to pay that penalty for our sin a truly recklessly loving god that in the most authentic and startling way ever gives us a gift that we just did not imagine being able to connect to us through his son so that we may have the answer who is our savior who is our rescuer his name is jesus let's pray dear lord heavenly father we do thank you for imploring that answer into our lives and lord we ask that you will help us with our questions that even in the times of doubt that we have in the times of fear that you will be right next to us to be able to call us and to be able to serve you and knowing that Faith comes directly from your spirit. Grow that spirit within our church as you again empower your people to be able to go out and share that answer that has come for every single one of us. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray today. Amen.